My balls was hot. I understand. Next week or sometime, or two weeks from now, I'm gonna come on your show and smoke some weed with you. Anytime, sir. Anytime. I'd like to fight Ali. I'd like to fight that rap Azad. Salam alaikum alada. Ma 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 ma. Shut your mouth, mate. And then Khabib just jumped over the cage and attacked him. Just jumped into the crowd. I couldn't believe my eyes. Why people talk about I jump over the cage? It's just, it's just really disgusting and disappointing for me. Hello. Third time's a charm. Fourth. Fourth time's a charm. I know. I'm trying my iPad with this one. If this doesn't work, then I'm just going to go to the computer and shoot myself in the head later. Okay. Let me know before you do it because I feel like that'll hurt my eardrums. Make some for some goddamn good podcasting, though. How are you going to post it? You have access to this. I don't know how to do that. Welcome to MMA and stuff on halfguarded.com. My name is Matt. That is Mike. We're going to try this again. Big show this past weekend, Mr. Coughlin. I've heard that it was rather enjoyable. You know, we got like the first like three minutes or so. I'm going to just splice that in. I'm going to, so I'm going to start with really? that. Really? Okay. Let's just go with that, everybody. I know this all got all jumbled up, people. But, you know, we talked enough about the opening things here that it's kind of like odd for us to fake the enthusiasm. I can fake it. That's what she said. Not to me. Yeah, let's, let's, right, let's just, yeah, let's do it again then. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Yeah, that's fine. So yeah, Saturday night, UFC 229. Uh, we had Khabib Medoff defeating Conor McGregor with a neck crank at 303 of the fourth round. Uh, Khabib successfully defended his lightweight title here. Um, what, what, what did you think of the fight itself, Mr. Coughlin? Uh, the fight itself was almost what you'd expect with the shock of the Khabib landing a big right hand in this second round. But other, yeah. other than that, I mean, it was just pretty much Khabib beating the shit out of Connor for most of the fight. Yeah. I did not think Connor looked particularly good in this fight. Um, I mean, here's the thing. Khabib's now 27 and all when he's done this to every guy he's fought. So I, I don't think it it's terrible for Connor because Khabib's just, his, nobody can stop his wrestling for whatever reason. Um, nobody's been able to compete with him there. And we know Connor's wrestling's not good. But I felt like even on the feet when they were standing, Connor didn't look that great. I felt like he was gassed early. Um, and he got rocked on the feet when he had a chance. He got basically knocked down he got drilled with a big overhand right like it's just a I, I think a poor showing for him probably his worst fight in the ufc i would yeah i, I don't think connor's ever looked this ineffective and it, again we kind of talked about this though it's not totally a, a surprise in that this is what khabib does you know he goes out there and he just beats the shit out of people and it it kind of starts a little slow but before you know it you're looking at guys like connor or any of these guys you just go oh fuck the world, the life has been sucked out of them. Like mm. he, he just, he's not ready to go. And this, this fucking tank of a man, and that's all could be. He just looks like a tank. He just doesn't stop. And boy, did he have a lot of fucking pent up aggression to get out. <laughs> it was weird too during the fight. Cause at certain points I'm like, ah, oh, Connor's showing a little bit of heart. Cause he's kind of got that rep where 
Now, if the going gets tough, he'll give up his back and let somebody sink in a choke. There were a couple times where he was getting drilled in, I think, the second round um, where Khabib was just pounded on him. And he hung in there and got up. And then I think between the third and the fourth, um, Khabib was kind of pressing him up against the fence. And then Connor kind of whispered to Khabib, the mics picked it up. It's just business or something. It was only well, Khabib, business. Well, Khabib during the second round, I think it was when he's just hitting some ground and pound, starts yelling at Connor. Right. Because he starts saying things like, you know, like, talk now. Where's your talk? Where's your talk? And then Connor's like, it's just business, buddy. <laughs> well, it's interesting because Bitch. I, I do kind of believe that to a degree, but I also think Connor's good at this because he believes what he's saying like the stuff about ali being a terrorist and all that stuff um and could be being a backwards con that all all those lines i think there were some truth to those i i think he believes some of that so to say it's all business isn't really legit like I, i i think connor believed what he was saying look this this idea that it's all business but that's not how business works the, the reason pro wrestling works is because all the guys involved know it's fake. Right. You know, usually they get told backstage of the curtains behind their first match, by the way, kid, this is all fake. And then they go, oh, it makes so much more sense now. But yeah, <laughs> like if you don't, if the other guy's not in on it, it's not a, it's not a work. It's not business. You're just being a dick. Now, yes, there are times guys will just like, everybody knows that we're kind of like hyping things up or doing our thing or whatever. Like I get that those things happen and both guys do kind of get it. But yeah, at the same like, time, like, like if I you're going to at... go to me, again, I just want to finish. If you're yeah. going really, really hard at a guy, mm-hmm. you don't get to blame the, the, the effect for what the cause did, you know, like you did this, right? You knew what you're getting into. Like I, I look at Chael and Anderson, like those fights were huge, like million buy shows or whatever, but it was a little tongue in cheek. Yeah. Like, like Anderson Silva, you absolutely suck. And talking about the Nogara brothers feeding the carrots to the bus. Like it, it was kind of done tongue in cheek and he couldn't take it that serious, but it built the fight and the average fan watching probably isn't paying that close attention and thinks Chael really hates Anderson. But like after the, the Anderson Silva Chael fight, it was like Anderson kneeled down and bowed down to Chael. You know what I mean? It, he did not respond how Khabib did at all. So the end of the fight, did did you think Connor tapped a little quick to that neck crank? Like it wasn't even like it wasn't a choke. Am I right saying that? No, it, it, well, you can get choked that way. Like yeah. there's a way. Like you can get smothered essentially. But I guys have gotten really good at neck cranks in the past couple of years. It's gone from a technique that was used to be frowned upon in the like the jujitsu community yeah. to nowadays. Like it's I think people have realized. Wait, this is a legitimate thing. Like you can really hurt somebody and fuck them up with this neck crank. Maybe we should have been teaching guys, hey, if you can't get under the chin, just fucking rip their head off. Do you, do you think Connor was looking for a way out at that point? Um, yeah, a little. Uh, yeah. I don't think that, like, you know, it's tough to say, but yeah, he was a little sharper earlier. You're a little, you get mentally fatigued. Um, like I, he, he should have tapped anybody would tap from that. Like, that's not like, uh, Oh, he was like, if he had really fought hard, like he was stuck, he was going to get tapped. That was, that was fine. But leading up to that, he wasn't, I don't think he should have that same spirit. I think especially after that third round, funny enough, Khabib 
mentally broke Connor. I think Connor was fucking done after that right hand dropped him in the second and he got beat up. And then in the third one, he couldn't do shit. I think Connor quit. Well, it was funny too because all the judges scored the third round for Connor. Yeah, and I get why because uh, judges are really not good at their jobs. <laughs> like I, when I was watching the fight, like I, I watched it pretty closely and I'm like, I'm like, I don't remember Connor winning a round. And then I, I haven't gone back and watched it a second time, but all three judges scored it for him. It was almost like if he could have got some momentum and stopped a, a takedown in the fourth and the fifth, he could have still won that fight in theory. Obviously, like maybe Khabib took the third off a little bit and then got pissed off between the third and fourth and decided, you know what, fuck this guy, I'm going to finish him. I, I don't know. It was It was very odd. Yeah, it was uh, – I mean, I understand why the judges gave it to Connor. And it's yeah. the old perception of, like, everybody's got their bias. And you assume if it's on the feet, Connor's winning. Right. That's just how the brain works. I get it. Um, but, yeah, what was interesting about the round, like, the third round is every time I kind of thought, oh, okay, Connor's – is he getting his rhythm? I kept, like, waiting for him to find his flow. Like, when's he going right. to land that left? Did he, it, I honestly – and I haven't heard anything, but I would have sworn his left hand was broken. That's how yeah. infrequently he threw it. Like, he was not throwing it to the point where I'm like, this is noticeable that you're not throwing this. But, yeah. yeah. I, I, wonder if they, I wonder if those Diaz fights and the Floyd fight, like, I know he's young and he, he's whatever. He's got 25 fights or whatever. Um, maybe he's a little shop-worn at this point. Or, I mean, I, I've heard people claiming ring rust, too. He hadn't fought MMA in two years, which is a pretty long layoff unless you're GSP. Yeah, uh, it's probably a whole bunch of things. Uh, look, or it's Khabib's not, really good. It's everything. Khabib's a, a fucking beast who has so far not looked like he has any vulnerabilities whatsoever, uh, including if you insult his faith, that just makes him stronger and angrier. It's, it's not fair. Uh, but be look, Connor always stacks a deck in some respects against himself. We've you know we talked about his people like he's been remarkably successful as a guy coming on short, short notice. And right. this was, it, it, you know, it was a weird way to fight. Um, he's also probably not that good. Yeah. You know, he, the, he's only really fought this type of guy once in Chad Mendes. Right. You know, nobody else has ever really tried to wrestle him. And, and look, Chad kind of gasped. Remember, Chad was on short notice also. Chad was like right. 10 days. Right. Uh, it could be, again, this is a guy that, he did this to Michael Johnson and, and, and Dos Anjos and, and, and fucking Barboza. Like, he, this is what he does to people. He right. just fucking rapes you slowly and dryly. <laughs> he doesn't break a sweat at all. He spends a whole fight bitching and moaning about other things besides the fight itself. Like, he fights and complains about things happening in the fight the way that, like, I complain about drivers on the road. <laughs> It is it is something to uh, behold for sure. Do you think this loss like hurts Connor's stock? Nah, no. It would have it would have until Khabib jumped into the crowd. Yeah, that that's the next next topic we need to cover. But I, here, I would obviously. say that like in, in, in the fight itself, it, just containing the fight itself before all the shenanigans that took place. I think that yeah, it would have hurt Connor a little bit, but he's still Connor and. All the things that we talk about that are stacked against them, all the reasons, excuses. Well, like it's something to talk up in the with the people, and you know, it's Khabib is Khabib. It's not like yeah. he kind of lost. If he lost to Eddie Alvarez, that would have been far worse. Khabib is right. a guy that I think the general public still, on some weird level, respects zero losses in a professional fighter. 
that always means something still. Yeah. I think part of the issue with, with Connor is at this point, like I view him as kind of a front runner. Like he, he's a handful for anybody in the first two rounds. And when he's confident and he lands a couple shots, that, that handful for Khabib in the first two. No, rounds. but I'm, sa- I'm saying for in- unless he gets taken right. down or whatever, if he's striking with somebody in the first, like he beat the shit out of Nate in the first round of the first fight, in the first round of the second fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's probably lost one first round in his career. The- this fight with Khabib. Um, yeah. And some of that early shit when he got tapped and stuff. Right. And. Um, He's also used to being the bigger guy when he was at featherweight. But, now he's an average size guy. That was the other thing I was kind of thinking is like Connor. First one, I watched him again against Chad Madness. I was really like taken aback by how big Connor was. Right. I forgot how large he was at 145 pounds. Whereas yeah. at 155, like he's been fine. I don't think that he was out physically outsized in a way that somebody else wouldn't be like it's Khabib. It's still, this is what he does to people. He just physically outmatches everyone. But that said, I remember looking at them in the weigh-ins in particular and seeing how drawn Khabib was and like how like he'd flex and like, there's no muscles there right. really. Whereas Good Connor, bridge, yeah. Connor looked okay. He looked like, not like bodybuilder. Okay. But like, you know, his muscles were full and all this. And it's just like, yeah. Oh yeah. Khabib sucked out everything and all physical fucking Dagestani tree trunk of a skeleton there. And Connor's like, he just, he lost some weight in the sauna. Yeah. I, I think he's going into the cage around like 170, which I think is probably about what he was going into the cage when he weighed 145. And, and, the, key, <laughs> you yeah. know? and, and the thing is, is that Khabib may not even be that much heavier when he's in the cage. Like I, if Khabib was 180, I would be, that would seem pretty heavy actually, just because of his style. But yeah. He's also a kind of guy that he is coming down to that encounters moving up. Right. And that's always a big deal. Like that's again, right. it goes to frame and muscle mass and just Dagestani dick size and things like that. <laughs> well, if you, if you think about it, Connor fought like six or seven times in the UFC at 145 and Khabib struggles every time to make 155. Yeah. So there, there, there is a size difference there. Um, obviously, after the fight was, was the big story. And I know this has been covered everywhere ad nauseum, and it's probably old news now, but we, we got to touch on it. Um, after Khabib got the submission win, he uh, kind of shoved Connor a little bit, w- looped around the cage, pointed at the corner, took his mouthpiece out, threw it out, and started yelling. I, I believe at Dylan Danis is what everybody was saying. Then he jumps the cage and does like a double foot stomp towards uh, Dylan Dennis, who supposedly landed like a right on Khabib right away. And that's the claim anyway. And then uh, they brawled a little bit, Connor's corner with Khabib. And then Khabib's guys got in the cage and started brawling at Connor. One guy sucker punched Connor from behind. Then two guys were punching Connor at once. And it was a total like brawl. Clusterfuck. Clusterfuck. Like you, you've never seen like, I, I got up and got close to the TV and was trying to watch this. And I, I rarely react or sell anything. And I was like, holy shit, what's going on? And I was like as close to my TV as possible trying to make it out. Um, but yeah, Nevada, the athletic commission, uh, withheld Khabib's purse of $2 million. Connor got paid. But uh, Khabib's getting pretty much all the blame for this thing because he jumped the cage and went into the crowd to start fighting people. Well, yeah, he did uh, start a riot, which is uh, his second. His second offense is a riot starter. 
Although, depending on how you score that first riot with him and Nick. Yeah, no, um, it was a shit show. Um, but it's, it's weird. Like, I think as a people, we've all gotten cynical enough that immediately everybody's like, well, what's the big deal? Or, like, or is, it a, is this a work? Like, the people I was or, watching yeah. with, like, this is so, like, WWE. I'm like, this is not... They, they've never this is not a work Khabib's crazy and to me it was like um you know when the tea the tea pots on the stove and you're waiting for the whistle to sound like he had all this shit building up for literally years i saw a tweet today like him and john kavanaugh going back at back and forth on twitter in 2016 whether or not it was okay to joke about religion um and then the whole thing with connor and ali abdelaziz that whole thing and Khabib's trying to like not freak out and be calm. He shows up to that presser on time, leaves after 15 minutes because Connor doesn't show up and he just lost his shit. Like, I don't know if he was keeping it in, but that, that tea kettle definitely blew. It's pretty awesome. I mean, it, it's like, <laughs> like say what you will about their backwards uh, belief systems and treatment of m- minorities, gays, women's and all kinds of people. They are manly as fuck. I mean, that's what, <laughs> Like, it's a manly fucking thing to sit there and listen to a man jibber-jabber and talk shit in your ear and be an annoying fuck. And you don't say anything. You just look at him and be like, nope, when it comes down to it, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And you beat the fuck out of this guy. And then with, like, that scary calm, you climbed over a cage and jumped into the middle of 20,000 people to continue fighting. That's a badass thing to do. Like, that's pretty fucking baller. Like, I got it, like... I don't think you should get worked up about this stuff. I understand this stuff's a work. It's really difficult to get me upset because I don't think I believe in anything the way Khabib believes in Islam. Right. But that's how you defend your fucking honor. Like, if you care about those things, if you care about your, your honor and, or whatever, that's how you do it, man. You go out there, you take that guy's two million bucks, you beat the fuck out of him, and you get in the crowd and you fight with that guy too. I know we shouldn't do it as a civilized society, but fuck it, man. They threw a, a fucking dolly at your bus and who knows? Yeah, I guess. Um, I I would have rather see him just beat the shit out of Connor and win the title and and tell you Connor. He did that. I know, but and just tell him to fuck up. Like I liked it from an entertainment and a spectacle p- p- point of view. Like I love that shit. Like I hope um, John Jones and Gustafson get in a brawl at their way in or something. Like I like that stuff. But at the same time, it's like it's it's a lame move on his part to like dive into the crowd well i Um, I think it's again i kind of respect it in that he waited until he was he did what he had to do like he knew he had a job and this was like his way of telling dylan dennis and all these people i've been waiting to do this i have not been a coward in fact i am so not a coward that i actually bit my tongue i'm such a man just so i could take care of things Every which way there is. And also, I'm sure Dylan Dan has said something really horrible and awful towards him. And yes, words don't excuse violence. Right. But at the same time, stop. You, the reason you say these things at him is because you wanted to get under his skin. Right. You can't complain if you get under a guy's skin that he's been, been gotten to. That's the thing. Like, if it's just kind of tongue-in-cheek shit and the guy takes it too seriously, you're like, whoa, 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 buddy. I said I'm gonna beat the shit out of you and fuck your mom, but we all know like this is trash talk. But Connor knew what he was doing. He knew exactly. He was trying to get under his skin psychologically, and uh, it fucking backfired miserably. Yeah, I, I, I guess he could have 
just cut a promo on all of them after and be like, I, I, I told you I'd beat you. And I, I don't know. Um, as far as punishment for these guys, what, what, what do you see happening? What do you think would be fair? Um, Dana has said recently that there's no way he's going to strip Khabib of the lightweight title, even though he refused to put the belt on him after the fight because he was concerned that everyone in the arena would throw shit into the cage. Okay. I got to admire Dana. He's just clearly fucking with people now when it comes to titles because they've been looking for excuses to create interim titles, to strip people of titles, to do whatever. And suddenly they've been handed on a fucking silver platter and nah. Khabib gets to keep the belt. What the fuck? Tony Ferguson won a belt, and all he did was keep beating people, getting ready for fights, and you took the title from him. Fuck. So, yeah, um, I don't think there should be any punishment. No no fine, no suspension. This is okay. You can jump out of the cage into the crowd and fight people anytime. I mean, I guess you got to do something, but I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think anybody really cares. Like, What do you think Nevada's going to do? I mean, they suspend Nick Diaz five years for weed. I mean, what what are they going to do for Khabib jumping out of the cage? What did, let's see. Connor got, what, 25 grand for the water bottle? Yes. Uh, well, again, I actually kind of joked about it right after it happened, but it's true. There is There are multiple precedents in multiple athletic commission jurisdictions for what to do when your fighters start a brawl in the crowd. So they probably can just look at the stand and be like, ah, this is what we did with the Diaz brothers the second time. All right, let's do that. Right. Um. And it's funny too because Khabib Connor didn't show up post fight press or he didn't do anything. He just disappeared. Um, he, he, you know, he, he did something. He walked out on the, to the Vegas Strip to make sure that he posted a picture of himself celebrating his loss with some proper twelve. Well, it was funny too because he was supposed to have like an after party and they canceled it because there was there was concerns about like safety, like Russians might show up at his after party, so they canceled That's the valid, after actually. party. That's valid. I, I think they, that's very legitimate reason to cancel it. Like, on the other hand, I don't know what the fuck you guys thought was going to happen. Like, you know how they are. Khabib gave a half-assed apology and cited uh, Connor's previous antics, including, you know, throwing the dolly at the bus and making fun of his dad and his manager and um, all the Allah talk. So Khabib kind of cited that didn't understand why people were concerned with him jumping out of the cage and starting a riot, which I found amusing. Like two wrongs make a right or something. The man wrestled um, fucking I, I, bears when he was five. You think he has a clue about what right and wrong and proper behavior is in public? I, I, I'm a fan of like trying to do the right thing. Um, just because somebody else is an asshole doesn't mean you have to be one. Like I, I, I'm a fan of that. Um, but that's just me. Me too, actually. But that said, I mean, this is a grown fucking man with two children who's worth millions of dollars, won the lightweight championship of the world, defended the biggest fight of all time. And he kept talking about how he's afraid of his father. Right. That was very odd. Yeah. And even Khabib's dad said any punishment that Nevada gives to Khabib would be less than what he's going to do to them. Like, I kind of believe him. And that's really disturbing. Well, then they met with Putin today and Putin asked the dad not to punish Khabib too badly. I wonder if when they met with Putin, if that's actually a thing or if it's kind of like when Colby met with Donald Trump and we all well, kind of like, uh-huh. There's video of them talking. And it's well, still, pretty, but again, Colby met Trump. It's creepy as fuck, by the way. Everything like, Russians like, do is creepy. 
but Putin's tone, their tone, well, yeah. it just seems like shady as fuck. And it's like, I, I can't think of anywhere I'd rather not be than there in that room with those three. Uh, with that Chechen fuck. <laughs> he seems like he, he's down for a good time, though. Actually, that's true. If, as long as he doesn't <laughs> think you're gay, he's probably all right to be around. Like, you just have to, like, laugh at all of his jokes. Yeah. And not I feel like he drinks a lot. Yeah, he drinks like, a lot. I and... bet he likes to gamble. I bet. He, I bet he's not too bad. Kind of like a Matt Hughes type, just going ape shit with power. Khabib's the same way. So Except Khabib doesn't drink. Khabib, um, like, who, where do you see? Do you see them going to an immediate rematch with Connor? Like, what, what's next for Khabib? I mean, he could get suspended for a year. They might do an interim title next. I mean, what, what do you think? What do you think will happen next with Khabib? Uh, if Connor wants it, they do that. That's it. I mean, the, yeah. there's so much money at stake these days with Connor fighting that those questions just they answer themselves. Whatever, whatever comes next is literally whatever Connor wants because yeah. the quadruple, quintuple, eight tuple, whatever the fuck it is, you know, the the next closest fucking draw, which right. is like insane. If if what would you do if you were Connor? Would you want the Khabib rematch or would you go for Nate? I mean... Uh, I would do a Khabib rematch. Really? Well, See, I, I think if he could beat Nate, like at 155 soundly, um, it, he w- it would be a bigger deal when he fought Khabib the next time. Because there's going to be, be a little trepidation among some fans where they're like, he's just going to get his ass kicked again. I'm not going to bother with this. Like, I, I, unless... But they, it, unless there's a crazy angle again, which I don't think you're gonna ha- is gonna happen. They're, if anything, they're gonna have to tone it down. Uh, there, there's enough that if they went back to it in nine nine months or so, uh, I think it would be fresh enough that you could make really big money on it. And the yeah. reason I would go with Khabib is simply if Connor fights Nate and loses, which is a very real possibility, the fight mm-hmm. with Khabib is gone. Right. It's you lose it. Whereas he fights Khabib and loses, he can still fight Nate. He, Nate to me is like your do this one, pull in case of emergency. You're getting ready to quit this fucking sport. Here's another $20 million in your way out type of deal. Which, right. honestly, it could be it. If I'm, if I'm Connor and it looks like I'm only in this shit for the money, you know, you fight Khabib one more time and then you close out next year with uh, Nate and right off into the, I was going to say sunset, but it's fucking Ireland. So, you know, the overcast sky. Uh, as far as buy rate goes, um, the estimates were crazy at certain points. They, they were saying three million. Dana's saying it's under three, but well over two. So uh, I guess what did I, I, like I two had, and a half million. I had I can't remember what I had. It was like two eight or three one. Is something like that. I had a real fucking high number. Yeah. If two, it really wouldn't surprise me, Connor's like, the world fucking changed overnight. Well, two five's insane. Think about it. that's fifty percent more than their biggest show ever, which had won six. You know, when you I know, was, add I, another fifty percent to it, and you get this show. That's fucking crazy. I'm thinking. No, go ahead. Do you think a lot of it's from the Floyd fight? He's just got a bigger fan base and more fame now, because I think that Floyd fight helped obviously his mainstream drawing ability. There's a big difference between fighting, you know, Jose Aldo and Nate Diaz, and then going to Floyd and drawing over four million. I think he brought yeah. a lot of those fans who got that show. Like, yeah, maybe I'll check Connor out in MMA. Maybe, maybe he's better. 
it didn't turn out that way in this fight, but I think that was probably people's mentality. It is fucking weird. The guy goes and fights the greatest boxer ever and does okay, fights the greatest mixed martial artist, his real sport, and he gets his ass beat. Well, it's funny, too, because if you just saw the Floyd and the Khabib fight, which probably several million in the country, millions of people are probably in that boat, you would think Connor's a complete joke and a fraud. Or you think he's a boxer who's a fraud in MMA. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, I guess. I don't think he looked great in that Floyd fight, personally. I, I think Floyd gave him some rounds early, but whatever. For what, for what people expect. Anyways, uh, Connor's just, uh, I don't know, he, he's pulled it off. He's become a star like they've yeah. never had. And, uh, I mean, if those numbers are accurate. It's, uh, I think it's a, a combination of, obviously, he's a bigger star. And I think that this over-the-top, like, I think that the internet and people's access to the internet and how they're purchasing things and consuming content mm. is changing way quicker than people yeah. are kind of giving it credit for. Like, I yeah. know we all know it's coming. But, like, again, I keep referencing those YouTube videos and shit. But when you see the number of views that they're getting on YouTube for videos, yeah. and, you, and you, you sit there and go, this is, like, 10 million people dedicated to just them. And the, and the, right. and the big thing is you can go around the world now. And, yeah. you could really, and you could really go around the world. And this was kind of, like, one of the first fights that it really felt to me like a global thing. Mm-hmm. Like, when I heard 2.5 million, 3 million buys, I'm like, I could see this because I bet there's there could be, you know – Half, half a million people in Russia. Some yeah. sort of weird Russian deal with Putin where he's funneling money and all that. Well, yeah, I mentioned it last week, too, that the biggest fight in MMA history is between an Irish guy and a guy from Dagestan who doesn't speak the best English. Like, and, who, who's a the virulent, and who is a virulent, borderline, terrorist-sympathizing Muslim. <laughs> like, right. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's great. At 155 pounds. Although I don't think we can underestimate the fact how much Americans love to pretend that they're Irish. Like we really eat up that shit <laughs> a lot. So kind of plays into that. I mean, I, the Irish are basically considered Americans for all intents and purposes. So, and he's white. I agree with you about about the internet stuff and the viral um, aspect of promoting now too, because like, like the stuff with the bus and the dolly and all the memes and all that crap. Like, I think that adds up. When you see, like, Monday Night Raw now does, like, 2 million viewers, it's like, mm. holy shit. Then you look at some embedded video that does 10 million. You're like, wow, things things are changing here. Yeah, it's, uh, again, it's a whole new world. And, uh, honestly, the people who are best equipped for it are people like UFC and the, even WWE still. I mean, yeah. those fuckers, those early adopters of that shit, they got their network, and it is. Unlike DAZN, it's beautiful. The prelims... What are I'm you spraying? spraying? I'm, I'm spraying some uh, disinfectant. It's like on your genitals? No, ain't no disinfectant for something like that, man. I don't got enough money to buy that much. Yo, uh, I have a big dick. Uh, the prelims did 1.3 million viewers for the prelims. Most viewers since Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm. Great, I guess. I mean, yeah, it's... makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Even, I don't know how many. I don't. Even, I don't know what's a lot of viewers for that shit anymore either. I think like nine hundred, seven hundred, somewhere in there is pretty good nowadays. Uh, in the co-main event, Tony Ferguson defeated Anthony Pettis by TKO, corner stoppage at the end of the second. Um, awesome fight here, bloody brawl. Both guys got rocked. Pettis had some good moments. Ferguson had some good moments. This fight was freaking awesome for the two rounds that lasted. 
in between the second and third, uh, Pettis's coach, Duke Rufus, um, asked Pettis if he wanted to keep fighting because I think he broke his right hand, I believe. And Pettis basically said, you know what, I, I think I've had enough. And I can't really blame him in that situation. I wouldn't have wanted to try to fight Tony Ferguson with one hand either. Yeah, it's, uh, it, shows, it shows where he is at in his career. And, 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 and it's, it's a smart move on his part. He went out there. On some level, Pettis had to realize, I just had like a really great fight, and nobody will really think I lost at all. And why do more damage to my hand? He's got brittle hands, anyways. He's like a girl. He was um, taking a beating at the end of the second, too. Like it, the tide had turned. He was doing like weird, like one-handed cartwheel kicks and stuff. This fight was awesome. Like, if you didn't see this fight, you should go out of your way to check it out. It, there was a lot of action afterwards. Like Ferguson was crying. He called out Conor McGregor and Khabib. He obviously wants the title shot next. I think he's won eleven fights in a row at lightweight now. He's like Max Holloway. He's um really good and doesn't really get the respect he deserves, and he's probably going to get fucked over um, with, well, he might not now that Nate's not fighting, but um, depending on how long Khabib's out and what Connor wants to do next, he might have to win another fight at this point to get back to where he used to be as interim champ that he got stripped of. Um, oh, I, w- he, I would imagine he's got one more. I don't think he's fighting for the title in his next fight. Depends what Connor wants to do, right? Yeah, it, it, yeah. It, and I could say, okay, I take that back. Depending on how long they suspend Khabib for. Because sure. if Khabib doesn't get suspended, I could easily see them running Khabib and Ferguson out uh, in, what is it, October, say, in March or February even. Like, they, the UFC, they do this shit a lot. They book big fights real quick. This ain't boxing, you know? Yeah, I just feel like Ferguson's getting shafted here, but that's uh, the way the world works now. Also, I think that it would actually make... I actually, you know what? I bet he doesn't get screwed. And here's my reason: Connor will want to take a little bit of time off, and he won't want to fight like in a three month turnaround. Tony will be ready to go in four or five months, right? Connor yeah. will want like, maybe a year, and well, that'll yeah. that'll take us like into some Ramadan territory. And Khabib's <laughs> not going to want to be out that long. So Khabib's going to want to get a pre-Ramadan fight in, and Connor's not going to want to do that. So Tony gets the shot. Here we go. Mike Rio, Katsunori Kakuno, Danny Castilla, Abel Trujillo, Gleason Tebow, Josh Thompson, Edson Barboza, Lando Venata, Rafael Dos Anjos, Kevin Lee, and Anthony Pettis. It's a pretty it's, good run. It's a pretty fucking good run there. It's uh, everybody as good as not better than Khabib's. Almost all finishes, too. And, uh, you know, and he's, tick- he's fought some like, guys on short notice and weird fights. Like, he's took everything. Fucking Lando Venata, that fight was in Sioux Falls. That fight was awesome, too. I know. I really regret not going to it. <laughs> I regret a lot of things in life. Yeah, you can't win them all. I don't win anything. Uh, Dominic Reyes defeated OSP by unanimous decision. Uh, this fight was interesting because Reyes isn't really a well-known name at all, but he's kind of got some potential. And at the end of the third, he hit OSP, I think, with a right. And OSP was out, like knocked out. Reyes walks away, and then, then the bell sounds. So it ended up being a unanimous decision, even though OSP got knocked out because he kind of got up after the bell and the ref hadn't waved it off yet. Yeah, I get it. It's a, a weird quirk thing. It doesn't matter in the end, I guess, besides you lose a chance at a finish or whatever bonus. But like, uh, easier way to look at what happened is if this had been the second round and you would, you know, the guy has a right to try to get up and continue. You know, the bell rang. You didn't finish him in the time it took. 
really, if Reyes had tried to do anything, the fight may have been stopped. But because he walked away in that three or four seconds that it took, the referee's like, hey, uh, I'm looking at him. And then the bell rings before he can do anything. And so. Good good win for Reyes, though, because OSP is like a perennial top six, seven sort of type of guy in the light heavyweight division. Granted, that doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot, but usually OSP is kind of a gatekeeper, and Reyes getting the win like that pretty convincingly was was a good sign for him. Yo, for uh, sure. Like, I, I totally agree there. I think it's exactly what you want to see out of your prospects. As a guy like – and OSP is a really good guy to fight because he's not, he's not a unique guy. You know, it's not like you, you're, you're, you're putting one over on a great wrestler because you, you match up well that way. It's just a guy who's pretty well-rounded everywhere, who's been at the highest level, and he didn't have any trouble with him. He just walked through looked did better with OSP than John Jones did. Yeah, and OSP broke his arm in that fight. And, yeah. Um, what else do we have here? Oh, and the most important fight of the night, Derek Lewis defeated Alexander Volkov by knockout. At 4.49 of the third, um, Lewis was, to a certain degree, getting his ass kicked most of this fight. He had a little flurry, I think, in the second on the ground. But Volkov was kind of just piecing him up with a jab and using his Dude, reach. Derek Lewis had a, a very clear strategy, and it was, I'm going to get on top however I can. Like, he was doing weird takedowns and anything he could do. Because as soon as he was on top, he just fucking let his hands go. But he wouldn't do anything else. He wouldn't throw punches on the feet. He wouldn't try. To, he really wouldn't like try many takedowns. But he just like wanted it to happen. It's very interesting strategy. He knows where his strength is. Well, it's it's crazy too because he gasses every fight after the first round, like every time, and he claims he trains for half an hour to an hour a day. <laughs> yet he's nine and one in the heavyweight division <laughs> and knocks out literally. I'd say 80% of the guys he fights. It is a bizarre thing. He's one of those where it's like, if he really trained and was at a real camp, you wonder how good he would be or if he's just a unique guy who can do whatever and, and still be successful. But it's like, this is like a, a just a hobby for him almost. And now he's going to headline MSG against Daniel Cormier. Uh, I'll say this. For the heavyweight I, title. I know he's he has real bad back problems. And I feel yes. I kind of, I feel for him on that because he seems like a kind of guy that isn't like necessarily trying to be lazy, but he's aware of how it's perceived. And he's also kind of like, I probably don't work as hard as I could. I could do more like in the swimming pool or whatever. But it, for every time you hear about like, like guys who have like one punch power, the, don't blink the bike could end it at any, any time. And, you never really see it happen where a guy wins with like literally 11 seconds left in the fucking fight. A fight he was getting his ass beat and he's just like, oh shit, he did it. He landed the one punch. And that's terrifying. Because if you're anybody else in that division, you got to be looking at that thinking, I don't know, I mean, Volkov is a very athletic, young, healthy heavyweight who hadn't taken any damage and just one fucking punch and that was it. I don't want to say that Cormier is going to lose, but I think he's going to lose. I think it's even funnier because after obviously post fight, he had the interview with Joe Rogan that went super viral, like ridiculous. He's talking about how he took, for whatever reason, he took his shorts off after the fight and had like, you know, like tight, like spandex sort of thing on. Compression shorts. Yeah, thank you. And Rogan goes, Why'd you take your pants off? Opening question, which 
is a first in a post-fight interview. However, it's also the only question you can ask a six foot three, two hundred and sixty-five pound black man who is approaching you and he just took his pants off. The only thing anyone in the world is thinking in that moment is, why do you take his pants off? And his response was, My balls was hot. Which then it's a great response. You can't really argue with a guy. It's not like he was doing a sex thing or anything weird. Just like, my balls are hot. You're like, all right. I get it. It's like how like a five-year-old answer. You'd be like, I can't argue with you. It's even better because he said my balls was hot. Like, it, well, it was perfect. Let's, it was not perfect. Be, let's not be mocking a man based on his uh, ethnicity's language hiccups. I'm, I, I enjoyed it. And Rogan goes, I understand. And then... I watched this interview like literally 10 times. I'm a big Derek Lewis fan. It went on to talking about he beat Volkov for Trump because Trump had called him and told him he was having problems with Russians and that motherfucker Putin. And it just went on and on all over the place. At the end of it, he told Rogan that he's like, in a week or maybe two weeks, I want to come on your show and smoke some weed with you. And Rogan's like, it'd be my pleasure. Oh, and there was another good part. Oh yeah, Rogan asked, "What what do you see for yourself next? What do you want to? Who do you want to fight after this? You're probably in line for a title shot." (laughs) And Lewis is like, "There's no way I I can do a title shot with my cardio. I'm not in shape for that shit." And it it was awesome. And the way he said shit, like he said shit in the way that only a cool black guy can say shit. (laughs) Like I can't say shit like that. You'd be like, "What?" But when Derek Lewis says, "I I, at my big." flag ass needs to do some cardio shit you're like all right i get it like he's totally honest with you and he's also the kind of honest where, where if he tells you yeah i can do it you're like well he said shit before and uh, it sounded really cool so i believe him it, it, it was awesome his instagram which rogan plugged at the end of the, the very end he goes you have the best instagram in the game and he's like thanks and that was the end his Instagram went from 600,000 followers to, I think, 1.1 million follow- followers, fuck. as we say this. Biggest show ever. You have a crazy fight. We didn't even mention the knockout finish. Like, <laughs> holy shit. He drilled Volkov. Volkov's mouthpiece went flying. Then he landed this ground and pound where Volkov was out completely cold. Like, the finish was highlight reel, unbelievable stuff. Then he cuts that promo. Rogan tells people about his Instagram, and it literally it didn't double, but it gained like four hundred, five hundred thousand followers in three days. It's it's first of all couldn't happen to a better guy. Like mm-hmm. let's be honest, like if anybody's Instagram deserves to pop, that his does. I think people say pop. I think that's what they kids. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, go viral. Yeah, he's at one point two million right now. So he gained another. He gained like another hundred thousand today. So it doubled. It doubled. It literally yeah. doubled. Uh, it's also, um, I think it speaks to the larger issue in the culture is that we all just want something that seems authentic. And right. Derek Lewis, like, he's, I don't, like, he's, he's authentic in the, in the same way that Connor is kind of authentic in that at least he's telling you he's full of shit. Like, Derek Lewis is not hiding anything. He's like, this is who I am. I'm just a big black guy who really likes fried Popeye's fried chicken. And, uh, fucking videos on the internet from Florida. Uh, yeah, Lewis is, Lewis is on a tear. Um, we, we can talk about UFC 230 a little later. Might as well, yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot to unpack there with all the three fights moved around. Uh, let's finish up 229 first. Uh, in the opener of the main card, Michelle Watterson defeated Felice Herrig. 
Yeah. Unanimous decision. Uh, prelims. I did not see most of these. I, I was making weird food inspired by Action Bronson. Uh, we had Juicy Air for Miga defeating Sergio Pettis. Unanimous decision. Yeah, it happened. I don't really remember a lot of it. Vicente Luque defeated Jalen Turner by knockout. Again, I watched it, but I, I, I think it might be the drugs. I saw a lot of this fight. Aspen Ladd beat the shit out of Tanya Evanier. Yeah, I, that that was uh, like I don't see. It's kind of surprising, you know. Yeah, you don't see yeah. Evanier get beat up like that. No, it was it was unusual. Um, Scott I didn't Holtz, see. I didn't see it, but I guess Nick Lentz dedicated his win to Donald. No, to Brett Kavanaugh. Yes, he did. And Gray Maynard should retire. I did see that fight. Like <laughs> Lentz, like knocked him out with a head kick. Like Nick oh, Lentz oh, head kicking right. you yeah. is is not a good look. Like Maynard's old and has gotten beat up a lot. He needs to go away or maybe like fight BJ Penn. I, I don't know. Oh. Um, Scott Holtzman defeated Alan Patrick by knockout at three forty two of the third. Yana Kunitskaya defeated Lena Landsberg, and Tony Martin defeated Ryan LaFlair, who retired after the fight. It's always sad when guys retire. After a head kick and punched KO loss. It doesn't really count if you can't remember when you retired. <laughs> Bonuses, fight of the night went to Ferguson Pettis. Performances went to Derek Lewis and Aspen Ladd. Um, Khabib's money is still being withheld. Man, I know they couldn't reward Khabib for what he did, but they could have. I mean, it would have been kind of cool. Because it was so fucking cool. I mean, he just fucking jumped in the crowd like a madman. Just like, fuck you, I'm coming at you, man. And you're like, all right. Especially given that you know he could beat the fuck out of Dylan Dennis. Like, he was going out there just to pound a man. Huh, I don't know if this is true or not, but Wikipedia says, the event drew an attendance of 20,034 fans generating a live gate revenue of $17.2 million. Set the record for the highest ever MMA attendance in live gate in Nevada. I could see that, yeah, because when you said 20,000, I was like, wow. Because, you know, for most of those shows in UFC history, it was all, always about 15 or so. Right. Yeah. And so that place is bigger, and uh, yeah, that might be the biggest gate for MMA, yeah, in, 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 in Nevada. I'm hoping the um, Nevada Athletic Commission, they're hearing for Khabib and Connor will be televised, because that's always entertaining. I want to see Pat Lundball. <laughs> try to suspend Connor or Khabib for five years and then have a change of heart and agree to nothing. <laughs> I want to see this whole thing end with Connor being appointed Nevada's director of diversity. <laughs> governor. Oh, the governor was the governor was supposedly at the show at UFC 220. Oh, yeah, I heard and that, yeah. supposedly ran out of the arena when the brawl started. So there could be a little blowback from that. There's a lot of celebrities there. My joke was that Robert Kraft started the fight. He was yelling at Khabib, and Khabib tried to attack him. Um, <laughs> I think that's funnier. But uh, Mel Gibson was there. Drake was around, hanging around with Connor, waving the Irish flag, which was odd. Um, so, what is yeah. the deal with Drake? Like, how does, how does Drake work in that every time I see anybody, I'll just say black, essentially yes. referencing Drake, there's always like this pseudo, like, he's this, the only way I can say it, fuck boy. Like, he always <laughs> seems like he's like a little bitch in the rap world, yet he's everywhere, and people seem to, like, respect him, but not respect him. I'm not really sure how Drake, isn't he like 40 years old and he's Canadian or something I don't think Jewish? 
I let's find out how old Drake is. I don't think he's forty. He is from Toronto. Um, he's from he, Toronto. He makes a lot of hit songs, is what happens. Um, Drake, so it's a money thing. Drake. <laughs> Drake was born in 86. So oh, fuck he, me. He's younger than me. He's very, way younger than oh, me. Oh, jeez. He looks way old. Um, he doesn't look... He looks old for his age. He was on some Nickelodeon show. Like, yeah, that's the other thing. What the fuck? He was on Nickelodeon? Like, Little Wayne was on fucking Nick at Night or anything like that. I think he appeals to um, chicks, and he makes... And he has good videos, and... He's in collaborations with like Little Wayne and Rihanna and Eminem and all these other people. And I don't know. He sells a lot of records. Um, I don't think he's a great rapper. And sometimes he sings weirdly on songs, but they're catchy and the radio plays. And um, I, I don't think most like hardcore rap fans consider him a great rapper or some hardcore gangster. But um He's pretty successful. It's kind of like Britney Spears not being the best singer in the world, but she sold a lot of records, you know? If Britney Spears was backstage with Connor. <laughs> so it would have been also, weird if she was backstage with Khabib. That's true. I mean, it would be weird if Khabib was seen in public with a woman. But I wonder. Um, he must get pissed when women come to train in at AKA. I bet that they've had lots of discussions about that. <laughs> I would not be surprised at all if there's like separate training rooms when he's nearby. Those people are real bigots. Like they're bigots. They're bigots in a way that would just make normal people go, oh, like this is Southern Alabama bigotry level shit. So we touched on it a minute ago. UFC 230, the MSG show on November 3rd, November 6th, November 3rd. Um, been a lot of drama around the show last week i think we talked about them adding a uh valentina shevchenko versus sajara eubanks flyweight title main event well that has been pulled from the show after it was announced last week because there's a new main event for ufc 230 which is Derek lewis versus daniel cormier for the heavyweight championship of the world based off of Derek lewis's big win last saturday I'm so happy with how this turned out. Every everything possible that went right ended up going right. Well, it's weird because Daniel well, Cormier everything. claims he has an injured hand and wasn't going to be able to fight till next year. Now he's taking this fight on eh, three and a half weeks' notice, which is one issue. Uh, Derek Lewis got the shit kicked out of him and was holding both his eyes in the middle of that fight with Volkov multiple times and apparently broke his finger backstage before the fight. Now these guys, and said he wasn't ready for a title shot because he has no cardio. It's going to be your main event at MSG. I think it shows that they must have gotten some. Well, like maybe they maybe they listen because there's some real blowback must have happened from that shit. Sajaya Eubanks headlining MSG. I mean, that's that was pretty fucking bad. Plus, maybe they knew that Nate or the Nate and Dustin fight wasn't going to happen, right? And they were really afraid to like, you know. There's something that they really focus on, you know, having something advertised when tickets go on sale. Right. And if athletic commissions are always really big on that shit because they have a holdover mentality from the 1920s and some shit like that. So I understand that like, it would look really bad for they. This is our main event. And then, like, the next day it's gone. You're like, I'm sorry. I paid $125 to see. <laughs> what? Well, 
the whole thing's weird because they announced Cormier versus Lewis. Then it was announced that they were pulling the the Eubank Shevchenko fight. They're going back to UFC 231, the show in Canada, and they're going back to Shevchenko versus Joanna again. Yep. It's a shit show. <laughs> literally. Literally, this is it's one not, of the though. more fucked up situations they've been you in. You know what, though? I, I bet this stuff happened forever. It was just prior to the t- new ownership. It was basically, you know, Joe Silva and Dana White doing this shit all the time behind the scenes. And they're yeah. probably always juggling it. And they probably had a little more freedom. And, and also a little more tight-knit group. Whereas these days, like... 13 people have to get involved to approve a fight and do this right. and that. And so if one person says, hey, Joanna, you're going to fight, well, they're, they're kind of accurate. But back in the day, Joanna knew if Joe Silva didn't say it, it didn't count. And so right. they're here. I think guys are hearing more just as the sport gets bigger in the same way that baseball players are like learn that they've been traded from the internet. <laughs> so Sajara so Eubanks, I'm going to pull it up. Sajara so Eubanks was. Oh, yeah. She's a uh, fucking not, not that anyone cares, but. I think I sent it to you. Let me see if I can find it. She was blaming it on like race and being a woman and all this other. She called Dana White a coward and she wants a number one contenders fight on that card or something. Like this is a woman who's three and two and had no problem with the fight being pulled from Joanna and taking it herself. I don't. Okay. Obviously, I don't understand it because I'm a white man. I get that. I'm not allowed to have an opinion these days. I'm in a very oppressed minority, it seems. I'm a victim. But shit like that is why people roll their eyes at Me Too and Black Lives Matter. Because somebody that no one's ever heard of <laughs> is pretending like anybody thinks that it's, she's not headlining MSG and instead they're going with two big black guys? It's racism? And sexism? Are you out of your fucking mind? You're, I'm one of the most dedicated fans of the fucking world to this shit, and I can't say your first name. And I'm pretty good with names. I like learning funny, weird names. I don't even know where you're from. I have no idea who you are as a human being, as a fighter. Shut the fuck up. You, have, you almost have like the same number of Twitter followers that Half Guarded does. And I've never been on television. Think about that. Until you have like triple the number of followers that I do for my stupid little website, you don't get to bitch and moan about anything. You shouldn't even have a job. You're a 115-pound woman. 125-pound woman. I don't even know how much you weigh. The cage fighter? Piss off. You're not a... Go go be a line cook. She's up to 2,900 followers, FYI. Big fuck. She probably bought half of them. They're all Russian bots. Um, the other domino to fall on the show, as you had said earlier, was Nate and Poirier. That was that was originally like the main event, then it became the co-main, and now it's not happening at all because Poirier has an undisclosed injury, which no one knows what that means anymore. It could mean a USADA failure since they're oh, not really announcing right. those. Yeah, oh, that, I hadn't that's thought what, about that. That's what the rumor is. Anytime, anytime <laughs> somebody pulls out of a fight short notice, the idea is, well, maybe it's because of USADA, and they're just saying it's because they're injured until it gets cleared up. Boy, it, it's weird because it, obviously guys get injured all the time in this sport, too. Right? So 
Yeah, it's going to be. But uh, th- this is the kind of fight if you're Dustin Poirier. It's got to be a pretty bad injury if you're pulling out a Nate Diaz MSG co-main event. You know what I mean? Well, would he, so was the, he, maybe he wasn't going to be co-main event anymore. Maybe he's going to be dropped down to third. Maybe they're going to keep, keep the women up there still. Well, they pulled the women and then the maybe, Nate fight. Maybe he, didn't know, maybe he didn't know that when he okay. had his injury. He maybe wasn't going to stand for the, the dishonor of fighting underneath a black woman. He can't True. stand that. He seems racist. You're right. And sexist. Well, okay. In fairness, he's from Louisiana, so he might be all of that. Yeah. Uh, Dana White told uh, somebody, I forget who, that a reporter reported this earlier, that Nate is off the card. He will not be fighting anyone on this show. I was hoping for Connor to come in last minute, but that doesn't appear to be the case. That would have been fucking hilarious. And kind of <laughs> awesome. Like, honestly, if Connor just turned around and said, fuck, I'll fight Nate in three weeks in MSG, everybody, like, that could have, that, if he would have saved him. Oh, my gosh, he would have been he, such a bigger star. Even if he lost. Yeah. Would have been awesome. And I, I guarantee you, in a couple of weeks, he's going to claim he offered to fight him. Sure, everyone yeah. else has claimed to offer. <laughs> uh, so now that, that UFC 230 card looks like this, it's actually a pretty good show, even though we've been shitting on it for months. Uh, you've got DC versus Derek Lewis. By the way, that if that's not a mismatch, I don't know what is. Like Cormier is just going to fucking throw him around and beat him up for five rounds. I think maybe choke him out on the ground. Like I see, it only takes like, one. I know, but I see going like the the Rumble Johnson. Fights, I know, but, you know, but it's um, different, man. Because we just saw we just saw what what happens when you screw with DC, man. Until the last second, with I, Derek Lewis, you d- mean? Look, they all look alike. Except Derek Lewis has a foot on Cormier. That's uh, true. Then we've got Luke Rockhold versus Chris Weidman. Huh. Jacare versus David Branch. Can't believe Jacare is still alive. Derek Brunson versus Israel Adesanya. Uh, that's all that matters. They, were, on that they, were, they, they must have originally been planning for something with the middleweight title. Three middleweight fights. Yeah. yeah, that's a lot of big name middleweights too. Like this has yeah. got the feel of they were thinking. What do you, do you think? Maybe they figured they're hoping for GSP and Whitaker. Maybe I don't know. It sounds like they had uh, backup plans in there for sure. Um, Doesn't really sound like they had that many backup plans though, given that uh, at one point we we're down to Sajraya Eubanks. <laughs> I'm talking about middleweights. That, I don't know what Whitaker's What an insult to Chris Weidman. If I'm Chris Weidman, if honestly, if I'm almost any of those other fighters, I would look at this and be like, it is an insult for me to fight underneath Soraya Eubanks. <laughs> I don't think that's her name. Isn't it? Sajaya? Sarachi? Hang on a second. It's Eubanks. I know that. 10, 10. Hey, big news. Breaking news. Shashara Eubanks is back on the UFC 230 card. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mark, La- Mark LaMonica is breaking the story. This happened October 10th at 4, just a couple hours ago. Oh. She is fighting Foxy Roxy. That's actually kind of a good fight. That's the exact kind of fight I think should, uh, Sajaya Eubanks should have. Well, she already beat her once, so maybe she can do it again. Yeah, that's that's the kind of fight that gets you noticed. <laughs> if you do it twice, I guess. 
Look, oh, nobody watched these chicks fight during the football season. Come on. Uh, PFL 8 happened last week. Uh, the weirdest thing on the show was Steven Seiler getting into the finals of, I think, the featherweight tournament. He went to a draw in the first fight. They Each guy had two fights on the show. So the first one was only two rounds. That went to a draw, but he won on points somehow. Yeah, we, we, they had a rule that if you won the first round and you had a draw, then you won the fight. Awesome. Good. So that would force you to like try harder in the first. I, I guess, guess so. Yeah. And then take the second off and just lose 10, nine in the second. <laughs> kind of a weird, I think that happened over a couple of fighters too. And then he, uh, won his second fight to get into the finals by getting illegally up kicked. So that, that was quite an impressive form- performance by Siler. I think they've got um, the, the finals all set, but I can't figure it out here. Lance Palmer to... and Siler. Yeah, Lance Palmer won two fights. You're right. PFL. One of these guys is going to win a million dollars. Yeah. I, I don't think with like inflation and stuff that means as much anymore, though, as it used to. I'll take it. I would take it as well. I'm not saying I'm a millionaire. In uh, all the top eight fight, I don't even know what's going on here. I just see a picture of Rand Paul's wife on TV. She's pretty good looking. Like she looks like a good, good looking babe. But like in like an, a semi attainable kind of nerdy smart, probably dresses like a Nazi in the bedroom way. She huh. d- she definitely has Nazi paraphernalia that she has worn. <laughs> Something with leather and a hat. I wonder if she's helping with the yard work now. She's really good at burning the leaves. <laughs> Stupid. Uh, I can't figure this out. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't on even know what PFL. you're looking for. I'm trying to figure out what's going on with PFL. We're going to move a lot. You're the Did one. You see I, any... tried to, I tried to find PFL on Twitter to tweet yeah. at them, and I couldn't find it on Twitter. It wasn't <laughs> at PFL. Well, there's a lot of other things with PFL abbreviation. Like, if you just search PFL, you'll never find it. You got to type in Professional Fighters League. To weird, find it. weird. They had World Series of Fighting, which is kind of like a thing you could kind of like search for and find. Instead, they went to a generic letters that nobody likes. <laughs> Did you watch any of Quintet Three? No. It was actually kind of cool. I only watched the first fight or match, whatever you call that. Um, and it was some like kid who was like 17 who beat some old Japanese guy. It was actually kind of entertaining. Is it um, somebody's brother? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Nick like, Ryan. Yeah. Nick yeah. Ryan. I, I, I remember when I heard about him uh, a couple months ago, and he's like a purple belt, yeah. or he was at, at, at the time, and he's Gordon Ryan's brother. Right, and uh, they said like he went to like an Eddie Bravo tournament or something like that, and tapped out all three of the black belts. Yeah, and it was just like I guess he's like a wonder, like a prodigy, and we're seeing these kids that started to literally roll to jiu-jitsu when they were two years old. Well, he's also rolling with his older brother, yeah. who probably pounds on him every day. It's like the younger brother always ends up better. It seems like no offense. Um, he beat Hideo Tokoro by rear naked choke, like quick. Um, Marcelo Nunes defeated Hassan Rita, and Satoshi Ishii defeated Frank Mir by DQ. Wait, what? Satoshi Ishii defeated Frank Mir by DQ. Is this on PFL? No, this oh. is on 
quintet. Oh, quintet. Okay, okay, okay. I got confused. I, I, when I heard that, that sounded like something Japanesey, but I wasn't really yes. sure. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Do we go to Ryzen? Yeah. But I, I, I think you would like some of this quintet stuff. Like, oh, I, it, like it's well done. Yeah. Kind of reminds me like a weird like sort of kind of like ECW. Like the production's okay. But they've got like good entrance music and like a, a fog machine when the guys are coming out. Like, kind of had like a cool vibe. It was fun. Um, yeah, I know. The only reason that, I didn't watch it is because Fat Ass doesn't have his UFC fight pass up to date. So uh, it's, it's been I'm a gonna, while. I know, and I'm not gonna yeah. look. I, I can't like, really like. I can't really like bother him and be like, hey, hey, why don't you pay for that thing that you clearly don't want to use so that I can use it every once in a while. I feel like that should be covered under like research and development, considering his uh, job. Probably could be, but again, if you're mooching off of someone, it doesn't look good to ask them to. You know, if you're if you're staying at somebody's house, don't ask them to go buy you groceries. <laughs> okay, um, moving along. Oh, Vanderlei Silva suffered another loss. Have you heard about this? Did he? What would Vandalay lose? What would Vandalay lose? Would he lose something tangible, or would he lose something esoteric? I will say that he lost a dog. Eight days after a second round TKO defeat to longtime rival Quentin Rampage Jackson, Vandalay Silva has failed in his attempt to join politics at the 2018 <laughs> elections in Brazil. The Bellator star ran for a seat at the Brazilian Congress representing his home state of Piranha, but received only 13,753 votes at the election Sunday, with only 0.24% of total votes for federal deputy, placing 64th among 433 candidates. Silva needed more than 70,000 votes to earn a seat at the Congress. Wait, 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 hold on. He needed needed 70,000 votes to get a seat in the Congress. He got 13,000. Correct. Which is pretty damn close to 70,000, to be honest. Like, it doesn't seem like there would be that much of a gap between those two where if you just got a couple breaks or whatever, like, you knock on some doors. He needed five times as many votes. But still, like, 70,000 votes, if if you can get 13,000, 70,000 isn't that undo, like, that crazy. It's like, <laughs> not like he got, like, you know, 500 votes and he needs 100,000. I, and, then, and I'm sure he was training for fights the whole time, so it's not like he could go campaign that much. Do you think he trained for that fight? That's a good point. That's a damn good point there. Yeah. I, I just like that there's a ballot with like 400 people on it or something. <laughs> what the, like, what the That's fuck so kind of fraud is that? Like, is this uh, everybody in the town eligible to run? Do why they is, just, it, why is, is it 70- Is your ballot just like the phone book? Why? Why is it seventy thousand votes too? It's so weird. He plays sixty fourth out of four hundred and thirty three candidates. You would think somebody like as famous as him in Brazil would be able to place better than sixty fourth as well, just I, as a joke candidate. Fucking Kane won county commissioner or mayor or whatever he is. I bet you anything Kane didn't win shit. I bet Glenn Jacobs won because everybody in that town knows Glenn Jacobs because I bet he's the kind of guy that's really involved in shit. He's always at town meetings and he stands out. Um, there were others, other set. Can you also, can you imagine going into the voting booth and checking off the axe murderer as your candidate? It's Brazil. They just elected a dude that's considered like 
Donald Trump on steroids, who was stabbed in the middle of the streets by his socialist opponent's supporters or at one point or whatever. And he's as he, the same guy. I think that he's – I know that Duarte or whatever in the Philippines has said it. And I think this guy too is also had the – I wouldn't rape that girl. She's not. She's not attractive enough. Type of line. Like Ooh. he's a, none of the one of these guys that really likes to throw around the old. She's not good enough for my forced cock. <laughs> Former UFC welterweight Paulo Tiago received only three thousand one hundred votes for his district deputy position. Uh, that was point two one percent of the vote. That's less than half of the votes need to be elected at the federal district at this year's elections. And then Tiago Trader, a former jungle fight lightweight champion and UFC veteran, received 3,539 votes for federal deputy, which was 0.97%, representing the state of Amapa. Trader needed more than 12,000 votes to be elected. These so, vote totals are really weird. There's 12,000 votes. He's at 3,000, but 3,000 is only... Point one nine or whatever. What? Like, I guess there's hundreds of people who run for all these things. I don't know. Is, is, are they running for like a real elected office, or is this just kind of like a a way to get uh, you know like a job? Like, is this sure. like is this like the Brazilian version of applying for a dog catcher? Job? Yeah. Like also <laughs> doesn't um, sound are, like. It. Are we sure that these are real? Like it is Brazil, and as I've learned over the years, Brazilians, there's only like eight surnames. And only about four first names. So any combination of Tiago or Silva or Anderson or Vondale, like there's a lot of those. This could be anybody. This could just be some random dude named Vondale Silva. I doubt that they put axe murderer on the ballot. They should. I, I, this is coming from uh, MMA fighting, so I think it's legit. Uh, in upcoming fight news, Who trusts uh, the media? we got some big ones. Michael Avenatti is offering to fight Donald Trump Jr. in a three-round MMA fight for charity. Sure. I always like when people challenge other people to, like, you see this all the time, but I want to fight you. We're going to set all our differences, but I'll give the money to charity. Like, it doesn't really, I don't think that people are quite so turned off by the charity or the money-making aspect of challenging someone to a fist fight over politics. Yeah, I guess um, they've been feuding on Twitter and uh, Avenatti says, uh, this would be for two great causes I'm in. Uh, we have not heard back from Donald Trump Jr. yet. I, I like that he, he says, like, I'm in. You don't get to claim you're in if you challenge someone. When you <laughs> challenge someone, it's presumed that you are in for the fight. Like, it'd be really weird for Avenatti to challenge him and then be like, oh, yeah, I haven't really decided if I'm into this. I just wanted to see if he'd be into it. I think the way it worked was he was talking to somebody at some luncheon and the person at the luncheon posted on Twitter that he wanted to fight Trump Jr. Then he responded to the tweet that he'd be in and willing to do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Just to, just to clarify the, the record. That's fair. I don't want to, I don't want to slander the good name of uh, Michael Avenatti. (sighs) Yeah, I I would watch. I'm guessing that would probably be in Bellator. I'm guessing. Uh, who would that be? Yeah, Bella. Does Fox have any MMA ties? As I was thinking, big. This feels like a big Fox thing. Like this definitely's got a big Fox feel to it. Golden Boy, maybe. Like this would be on the undercard, or maybe the main event with an undercard of like 
like world's most out of control lion tamers or something like that. We do have a main event for the final UFC on Fox card. It's going to be Kevin Lee versus Al Iaquinta two on December fifteenth. Yeah, I'll probably uh, I'll probably be at that show. Oh, that's in Milwaukee. Okay, I've heard and, of that. And Brewers. I, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Milwaukee. I like it. The Bucks. Yeah, they stop there. UFC 232 has a main event. It's going to be on December 29th. It's going to be a light heavyweight title showdown. John Jones is returning to fight Alexander Gustafson for the second time. <sighs> this is interesting because Daniel Cormier, who is the champ champ right now, the light heavyweight and heavyweight champ, is being stripped of his light heavyweight title completely and they're not doing an interim they're just making this the light heavyweight championship fight between jones and gus uh dc said he wasn't happy about this and wanted a promise that he would get to fight the winner again i don't think it, like if you're healthy dc and they're healthy i don't think the ufc is gonna be like nah like what else do they have to book Vitor belfort or something <laughs> Something that would be good. Um, I like that Peter Belfort's the guy who got closest to beating John Jones. So Ch- no, Chael Sonnen got closest. Oh, because of uh, Jones's toe. They had, if Chael managed to lit less than none to two minutes, he, he would have been light heavyweight champion. I like when Matt Hamill was headbutting his elbow. <laughs> An unconventional strategy. So yeah, we we've got another title mess going on there but... i mean it's not even a mess like i understand like just because with dc having moved up to heavyweight and having basically said like he's done like you get the impression like dc's basically said like i don't want to fight anymore i can't it's fine um i, I think it looks really to the extent that anything matters yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it looks really shady the challenge just comes back it immediately gets a title shot yeah, and not only does he get a title shot, but you announce that he's getting a title shot at the same time you announce that you're stripping DC of it. Mm-hmm. You could have just said it's going to be for a title, and then later on clarified it. But it really comes across as if you're just telling everybody John's back, and we're taking away Daniel's fun. This weekend, uh, there's no UFC. UFC's off for like two or three weeks, which is um, always nice. I, I like a break. Sometimes it's hard to find seven hours to watch. Um, a bunch of fighters you've never Speak heard of. Yourself. But instead, we get two Bellator shows this weekend on Friday and Saturday. Those, it must be. Oh, uh, October historically was the end slash beginning of the fiscal year. So I'm guessing that all the Jews need to launder some money and hence they get double shows in Bellator. On Friday, we've got Bellator 207 at the Mohegan Sun Arena in Uncasville, Connecticut. Yes. Uh, the main event is Matt Mitrion versus Ryan Bader. And this is a light heavyweight semifinal Grand Prix match. I'm sorry, heavyweight Grand Prix matchup. Yeah, great. I was like watching deaf people get beat up. I know, he's, I know that being deaf is just like a physical thing. It's, it's usually always looks like you're beating up somebody. Somebody is challenged. Who's deaf? Matt Hamill. It's Matt Mitrion. Oh, I thought you said Matt Hamill. Matt Mitrion versus Ryan Bader. Well, in this case, Matt Mitrion can hear just fine, but I'm 
utterly convinced he's also retarded. Yeah, so this is a heavyweight tourney. Bader versus Mitrion. Winner would go on to face the winner of Sonnen and Fedor. I mean, how on earth the UFC thinks that something like Connor versus Khabib could ever compete for headlines with that kind of back-to-back lineup? In the Coleman event, we have Roy Nelson versus Sergey Heritonov. Wow. <laughs> what the fuck is... I mean, Heritonov uh... looks like he should be like sitting and drinking beer outside of a pub because he's been kicked out and he'd have like frost on his like old shitty raggedy beard. How old do you think he is right now? Oh, God. He looks like he's got to be 48 or 49. So he's probably like... 13 or 12 in Russian years. So, uh, 33. 38. Uh, He looks older than 38. Yes, I agree. Didn't he get knocked out by that fat guy, Javi Lopez or something? He's been knocked out by a lot of guys. I know, but recently he got like racked. Yeah, I think I I I know what you're talking about. Oh, he's fought a bunch since then in Russia. (laughs) Holy shit. I mean, Javi Ayala. Javi Ayala knocked him out. It's weird. These guys don't fight in nearly like the their concept of fighting is not our concept. He beat Sokaju by knockout in June of 2017. What? June of 2017 at Harbin, China. Like, I understand that. What is going on? These people aren't even close to the same size. Why are they fighting each other? He had a catchweight fight at 280 pounds. Was he coming down? I don't know who he was fighting. The guy doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Anton Viadzigin. I don't know. Sounds like uh I love looking game. at guys' records like that because they're so weird. Like oh, and, and, and they're not even recording everything. Right, right. Uh Lorenz Larkin versus Ion Pascu. Uh Little Baby Slice, uh Kevin Ferguson Jr. versus Corey Browning. And Carrington Banks versus Mandel Nalo. How big is Baby Slice? He fights at 155. Oh my gosh. He needs to fight Aaron Pico. <laughs> yeah, that seems fair. I don't think anyone needs to fight Aaron Pico. I think that Kimbo Slice's kid does. Aaron Pico reminds me of Khabib. I don't know. Imagine, though, if, if Baby Slice could could get a win over a big star like that, bring a tear to his dead dad's eye. <laughs> could really, really honor that legacy. He, he needs to honor the, the cage fighting legacy of Kimbo. Right. And porn legacy. And Then Saturday, we've got Bellator 208. That follows up 207 on Friday. Huh. Uh, this one's at the Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, New York. So they're moving uh, a little bit south for this show. We've got Fedor Emelianenko versus Chael Sonnen in the other semifinal of the heavyweight Wait, tournament. the Nassau Coliseum? Correct. Like like the Nassau Coliseum that WWF used to go to and everything? Correct. Is Long Island, I think, right? Oh, okay, okay, okay. I was trying to figure out where that was. I don't know what difference does it make. I like to, I, some of us have a keen eye and appreciation for geography. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So, Fedor versus Chael, who do you have? Oh, Chael, for sure. Why? First of all, Fedor's coming off this big Frank Mir win. What's your problem? Um, 
he doesn't do well with middleweights that used to train a team quest. <laughs> also, he's not a good fighter. In when general. did he fight Chris Lieben? Well, no, that would be a good fight. Fedor oh, versus Chris Lieben. I pick, I pick Lieben. I pick, I pick almost anyone over Fedor these days. <laughs> he's just such a, he's like a Anderson, he's like a, a, a Vinali Silva type. We're just like, I think there's physically, he's gone. Right. I don't think he, I don't think he can take a punch and his twitchy muscles or whatever it was, it made him good at one point. Maybe it's just the fact that he's in America now and he's fighting wrestlers. And it turns out that uh, Russians can only cheat for so long. He he did some media over the past week, and I want somebody to ask him about his daughter getting beat up by those like Russian thugs or whatever. Nobody asks him about that. I, I if I would go there because I know he wouldn't beat the shit out of me on camera. Um, wouldn't he? On camera, you think? Khabib would. <laughs> Be like, listen, there were stories here in the states about something with your daughter getting beat up. Because you spoke out against children's MMA. Well, what, what's the deal with that? Then you wait for his lady interpreter to answer it. <laughs> then yeah, the, the, the problem is, is that I don't know if you'd ever be able to like gauge a reaction. It's not like oh, he would no sell it. Absolutely. Yeah. Now I want to see. I want to see him talking about Khabib because they're both very religious men. And they're on opposite sides of the religious war. The interview I saw with him, he was talking to Luke Thomas on the MMA hour and he did ask him about Khabib and Fedor claimed he didn't see the fight or the brawl. What did you, what else are you doing? I don't know. It's like, this is like, it's like it a, was in, a, in, the, a, interviewing somebody is like, yeah, yeah, I didn't like, so uh, Tom Hanks, what, what did you think about the Oscars last night? I didn't watch it. Huh? Well, it was funny too, because he asked him like what like he was asking him just like dumbass questions just to like i don't know to get a laugh or what he's like what's your favorite movie and fate they translate and fedor's like you wouldn't know it's russian and like he comes like try me i'll check it out like well what what, what is it what's the russian movie that's your favorite and then he's like oh what what's your favorite book he's like i i don't have time for books <laughs> so good because like, it was super awkward i like that i don't have time for books like ever you've never had time for a book you don't even know the name of a book to lie about it you can't just like tell people that ah, my favorite book is war and peace yeah, yeah got, i read it once yeah. it got really bad because he's like do you um he was asking about like weightlifting or something like do you deadlift and the woman couldn't translate deadlift it was awesome it's really good who are these translators I don't know. In the coming event, we had Benson Henderson. We have upcoming Benson Henderson versus Syed Awad. Also, Alexander Slominko versus Anatoly Tokov. Czech Congo versus Timothy Johnson, the best mustache in yeah. the And Henry Corrales versus Andy Main opens the show. Uh, doesn't um, Manuel Sanchez fight on one of those shows? No. Uh, maybe it's next week. Maybe he already fought. I don't know. Uh, I can find out. Hang on. Manny Sanchez. I just got something coming up. I keep seeing him post about it on Facebook. Uh, Manny Sanchez. Yeah, he's main event of Bellator 209 November 15th in Tel Aviv, Israel. <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't believe Manny is part of the Zionist conspiracy. He's fighting uh, Pitbull for the featherweight title. If he wins that, he's probably going to get um, Pico or AJ he- McKee next. You have no idea how much a part of me really wants to drive up to Milwaukee and ask him if there is some weird Jewish thing going on. 
you should record it. Yeah, that's all I need to have happen. Me on the internet knocking on a MMA gym in Milwaukee asking, are the Jews behind everything? It makes for good radio. Oh, today I was, I was on the train and uh, there was this woman. And I think she looked like she was like legitimately on heroin. Are you still had... do you still have a job? Yeah. Wow, you're yeah. on a good run. This is a good run for you. Uh, I've been working pretty solid for a long time now. Anyways, that's that. My employment has nothing to do with this. Anyways, I'm looking at this woman. She like just looks strung out, and she kind of like quirky looking hair, just like just not into life and her little one year old kid or whatever. So totally your type, pretty much. And I just remember thinking, I wish I could like, and I would never do it, but find some woman that looks like that. It's got like this kind of feministy look, but worn out and tired. Obviously, a single mom and all these things. I was just like, want to walk up to her one day and just be like, "Thanks for choosing life," and then walking away. That's a lot of build for mm, not your best joke. I'm not even thinking it's a joke so much as just, it sounds like in my head. This is hilarious to walk up to some uber feminist and be like, "Yeah, thanks for choosing life." Yes, yes. Remember, you could have not had this. On the theme of uh, weird Russian stuff, uh, two Russian soccer players are in custody after beating an official. Police on Wednesday detained two Russian soccer players accused of beating a government official at a Moscow cafe, an attack that has attracted nationwide attention. Zenit St. Petersburg striker Alexander Kokorin and Krasnodar midfielder Pavel Mamayev have been accused of being an official from the Russian Ministry for Industry and Trade who rebuked them for behaving improperly. Police said Kokorin and Mamayev were questioned Wednesday and put in custody on hooliganism charges pending an investigation. Hooliganism, Scott, that's a real good charge. Well, it's also translated from Russian, so it's probably something way worse. A video taken by a surveillance camera and broadcast by Russian TV stations showed the official being hit with a chair over his head and slapped in the face. A probe is underway, and the players can face five years in prison if found guilty. Here's a, I hear about a story like this, and we hear about it through this lens of they've been arrested, they've done something wrong. I don't feel like there's any justice in Russia. So I'm not quite sure what the real story is. Like, yes, it sounds like they did something bad to an official, but the real story is they didn't pay off the right person or something. Right. Russian media also reported that Kokorin and Mamayev are suspected of beating up a motorist in a separate incident earlier this week that was also caught on surveillance cameras and widely televised. The incident has topped Russian television newscasts and a chorus of officials and lawmakers said that the players must be punished. The Russian Premier League strongly condemned the hooliganism. Krasnodar said it may terminate Mamayev's contract, while Zenit said it would take disciplinary measures against Kokorin. How are the same two dudes just walk around Russia beating up people? I feel camp. like that happens often. But the same two guys are just like, eh, we're done playing soccer today. You want to go down and just beat up somebody? Yeah, let's do it. Don't you feel like they have cameras everywhere in they Russia? They do. They do, man. They all got them everywhere. That's a weird country. Like, I know we do now, like, security cameras at, like, every store and, like, stoplights and stuff. But I, it's weird. We don't have don't... them on every car like they do. Right. That's always weird, too. I love those um, – videos where it's like a russian like car crash or like that they all have cameras on their car also i've never seen a sunset or sunrise in russia i've never seen the sun in russia 
Have you ever seen a picture involving the sun in Russia? Ever. It often seems overcast. It's like the most miserable looking place on the planet. Uh, yeah, some of those... Russia's probably not as bad as like Dagestan and Chechnya, I bet. Russia's oh, like God. the richer, better part. God, how depressed. No wonder these people just take their religion so serious. They got nothing else. <laughs> In Oregon... Oregon... An Oregon man has been charged with assault on a federal officer after a booby trap armed at a property he previously owned activated shooting and injuring an officer in the leg. Gregory huh. Lee Rodvelt, 66, lost possession of the home and property in the southern Oregon community of Williams by court order on August 22nd. So when, he lost possession of his house. And I'm guessing correct. had forgotten or purposely set up a spring-loaded shotgun of some sort you're close when joseph charter the lawyer who had been tasked by the court to clean and prepare the property for sale arrived at the address august 29th however he saw signs warning that the land was protected by improvised devices he then called oregon state police and fbi bomb technicians When the OSP and FBI bomb technicians arrived at the property, they noted a minivan parked in a manner as to prevent vehicles from driving past the front gate, Special Agent Jeffrey Gray wrote in a complaint. The technicians discovered that the minivan was rigged with two booby traps. The booby traps utilized steel traps with steel teeth commonly used to trap wild animals. After technicians disabled the van booby traps, they moved towards the house and saw a circular hot tub spa near the gate. Upon closer examination, the technicians discovered that the spa was rigged in such a manner that when the gate was opened, it would activate a mechanical trigger that would cause the spa to roll towards the person at the gate. That's not even like, that's like the second or third most dangerous thing that happens from a spa. Most of it's just getting into the spa. Or drowning. The FBI agent compared the trap to a scene from the Indiana Jones movie Raiders of the Lost Ark in which actor Harrison Ford is forced to outrun a giant stone boulder that he inadvertently triggered by a booby trap switch. Later in interviews with law enforcement, Rod Phelps said that the movie inspired this particular trap on the steep property. At what point do police officers stop treating things as dangerous booby traps and start looking at things as some sort of kooky obstacle course that they've entered into <laughs> like it, when 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 the spa when the rolling spa inspired by indiana jones is coming at you don't you kind of stop, stop and go i don't think this is serious i don't think this is supposed to hurt anyone because it's a really weird way to try to hurt somebody it's to roll a spa at them i mean i've heard of weirder but that's pretty weird like you don't have a car? Use the van that you're blocking people with. That's got wheels on it. I like that the van had like bear traps all over it. When the agents finally arrived at the entrance of the house after disarming many more booby traps, they threw an explosive charge through the front door to take out anything that might be waiting. As they entered the house, one agent moved a wheelchair that was near the door and unknowingly triggered yet another trap. The wheelchair was moved forward, at which time an explosion occurred. OSP bomb technician described the explosion as very loud and caused him to become disoriented. During the blast, an agent yelled, I'm hit! And personnel immediately left the property, transporting the agent to a hospital where an unknown foreign object was found embedded in his knee. 
That's got to be weird. There ain't no training for booby-trapped house. That sounds like something like you find in Iraq. Except you'd have to go through and clear it. Like, you know they just wanted to be like, why don't we just blow it up? Just shoot a, a grenade in there or something. On September, well, they did. They blew the door. That's true. Off the yeah, thing. I guess so. On September eighth, the day what do you after, you touch the... random shit for in the booby trap house. When you go through all that hell, you just see a wheelbarrow sitting in the living room. You think, ah, nothing weird about moving this. <laughs> it wasn't even a wheelbarrow. It was a wheelchair. Wheelchair. Yeah, that's that's a normal thing. I'm sure he wouldn't booby trap the thing that begs you to move it. <laughs> On September eighth, the day after the attack, law enforcement officers asked Rod Bell if there were any more booby traps on the property to which he replied, I would not race in there. <laughs> I mean, how did this guy live there? I guess he did. I, did he? Or I maybe... think here, here's my theory. Cause that, that's all I've got on the story is this guy was behind on his mortgage or had some sort of legal issues or something and knew he was going to lose the house. So, but he's like, this is my house. Yeah, I grew up days, in this yeah. house, whatever. So in the meantime, he's like, I'm going to set this thing up with booby traps. Fuck this bank. Fuck these lawyers, whatever it might be. Um, this is what just... happens from people my age who grew up watching Home Alone get bitter and violent. Yeah, this guy's basically Kevin McAllister. Also, I'm, I, I'm... I mean, I knew anyways because he's from Oregon, but this is definitely a white person thing. This is definitely a white person thing. Like, black people do not booby trap their houses. This guy is white and looks insane. Yeah, this is white and crazy. This is Um, my people. (laughs) Relatable. Uh, Hey, have you ever read some of the... uh... The uh, whatchamacallit uh, Unabomber st- manifesto. No. Some of that stuff is very well thought out, very well written. Like there's a, there's a number of times I'll look at some of this stuff and go, oh, I don't I don't feel comfortable agreeing with all of this. Oh, is it some libertarian shit? Uh kind of. It's it's more it's not really political, it's more anarchy and a, a very luddite in, in some respects, like a, a, a warning about creeping technology, technology and yeah. like a lot of this stuff. Where it's just like this is going to make you people brain dead and this and that. It's like, oh, you kind of nailed that one. Yeah, it's kind of like a uh, Elon Musk, except without the success of money, more fame, cooler <laughs> mugshot. Uh, I'm presuming you heard about uh, the limo that crashed with 20 people in it and killed everyone in the car. No. Yes, you have. You haven't heard the story? I don't think so. Usually you're pretty good at on top of current events. and usually... Was this in Chicago? No. I saw something on the news about eight people in a car dying. Maybe that was premature. Maybe I mean, saw... Chicago went 22 hours. We almost made it 24 hours without a shooting. <laughs> that was news. We actually had a news story that we made it 22 hours between shootings. That's pretty good. City is fucking insane. So, essentially, what happened? Um, there was like that. It was like a birthday party, so they rented a limo. Oh, was this a wait? Was this recent? Last couple days, yeah. No, I'm thinking of the black people that died in the party boat in Mississippi or something. That was a duck mobile. Duck mobile, yeah. yeah. I've been on those. Um, anyway, Basically, it was a birthday party, something like that. There were 20, 19 people in this thing, one driver. 
the first limo breaks down. So the company sends this other like long, like Ford expedition sort of thing that's turned into a limo, whatever. And they are basically going down this road and instead, instead of stopping, where's this um, at? This is in upstate New York. They can go left or right. I didn't see that coming. And instead they just went straight, straight into these trees. All 20 people in the car died. Crazy. Like Jeez. no one lived. Nobody lived. Um, the so woman driver? To, uh, man driver. Whoa. That is weird. <laughs> but uh, authorities Asian? are charging the limousine company owner's son with criminally negligent homicide Wednesday in connection Whoa. with the weekend crash in upstate New York. Uh, Naman Hussein, whose father Shahed. Brakes weren't kept up. Who owns prestige limo chauffeur service was arrested during a traffic stop on Interstate 787. Naman Hussein is an operator for prestige. Police said the 28 year old received written violations from state police and the state department of transportation, informing him that the driver should not have been operating the type of vehicle involved in Sunday's crash. The state department of transportation had also ordered the stretch Ford excursion involved in the wreck be taken out of service in September. The sole responsibility for that motor vehicle being on the road Saturday rests with Naman Hussein, the superintendent said, uh, and that more charges and arrests are possible. Oh, the personal injury lawyer in me hears all this and just, I won't lie, it's a massive erection. It's just so exciting to hear about this. What a fuck up. What a fuck up and liability out the ass. Holy shit. That's beautiful. You should rush out there. You can fucking feed your kids for a lifetime on a case like that. Well, you're dead, so you can't feed them. But you can probably pay for someone to feed them now. No, I'm the lawyer in this situation. Oh, I'm, you're I'm, you're. I'm, a... not ta- I'm not talking about feeding someone else's. I'm talking about like the amount of money a lawyer would make off this guy. I don't give a I fuck understand. about that. I thought you meant the actual victims of the crash. I'm Man, sorry. they're dead. Fuck them. That's what I was. They're, not, they're a limousine. They're probably douchebags. <laughs> As Nas- Naman Hussein was being processed at a trooper barracks in Latham, his attorney, Lee Kinlan, who represents Prestige, said his client was innocent. The younger Hussein is expected to appear in court Wednesday. Asked if he knew whether police planned to arrest Shahad Hussein, Kinlan replied, I had no idea that this guy was going to be charged today. Probably should. <laughs> it's your job. Shahad handled the company's day-to-day operations, including maintenance, Kinlan said, while Naman Hussein handled some marketing and booking, answered the phone, and had very little involvement in the company. Kinlan expressed frustration over the charges, saying it would hamper his clients' abilities to provide information in the investigation into the crash. They had previously been cooperating with police and state and federal officials, he said. The attorney accused the state police of jumping the gun. Don't charge me with a crime. Otherwise, I'll, I, I won't be able to talk to you about all the things I've done. Like, I'm not going to tell you all the bad things I've done if you want to charge me with violating the law. Do you suppose it's like it's possible that the, uh, the driver of the limo had said something insulting about this guy's father and his religion, and therefore this uh, negligent homicide was justified? Well, it's weird because the first limo broke down and they sent the second limo, which <laughs> doesn't sound like it was operating much better. I mean, uh, if, if, the, if the limo that they look at, they go, all right, guys, 
We got two limos. We got a big client, 20 fucking people. We got to make sure that it goes. All right, take out the limo that we know runs. And then they take that one out. And when it fails, you go, shit, we got to go with the backup one that we weren't really sure. That doesn't feel inspire you with confidence. This is the worst car wreck in the United States since 2009. The fuck happened then? I don't know. Probably a bus full of kids or something. That's what I was thinking. Some sort of like, like hockey team or something like that going off of uh, like an embankment. An icy patch, black ice. Yeah, something in North Dakota or something. Uh, this arrest came as state officials in Kinland offered conflicting accounts on whether the converted limo should have been on New York's roads in the first place. Governor Andrew Andrew Cuomo flatly stated this week that the vehicle failed a state inspection, meaning it shouldn't have been in service and that the driver did not have a proper license to operate the vehicle. Uh, Kinlan says neither of these claims are true. Uh, For its part, the State Department of Transportation concurs with Cuomo and the state police and the federal records from a September inspection indicate the automobile was deemed unfit to drive. Yeah, did they check for this guy's, uh, I don't know. It feels lazy. I was going to say some sort of Dagestani or Muslim jokes. His last name's Hussein. But maybe the guy was born here and he's a good guy and he just got caught up in the wrong thing. Just trying to scrape together a buck or two to support his five wives that he keeps under a hidden veil. No, this guy's name is the driver was Scott Lissinichia of Lake George. So I don't know what that last name is. L-I-S-I-N-I-C-C-H-I-A. Eastern uh, Euro. Russian, it sounds Russian. Plus, he's a fucking any everybody involved in the limo industry is Eastern European or Muslim. Interesting. It's a weird, shady industry. Like nobody's ever had. People never have good experiences with limo companies. Probably because all you do in limos is just drink and have sex. Speak for yourself. I I am. Uh, did you hear about the big scandal in the wine world? Uh, is it about GMO wines in no. California? Nope. Oh. I bet your ex-wife's friend would have told you about it. Oh, that dickhead. <laughs> the wine world was shaken, not swirled, when scandal broke out Tuesday afternoon. In a letter sent out Tuesday titled Court of Master Sommeliers, America's Board of Directors takes unanimous actions to preserve integrity of the examination process. The prestigious court uh, said it had invalidated the results of 2018's tasting portion of the exam. On September 10th, the 24 members of the class of 2018 were inducted as Master Sommeliers, but Tuesday's news now casts into question the entire testing system. My word. First Trump and Russia, and now this. According to a release from the court, the board of directors found sufficient evidence that the tasting portion of the 2018 Master Sommelier Diploma Examination was compromised by the release of detailed information concerning wines in the tasting flight. Uh, The San Francisco Chronicle's report points to an unnamed Master Sommelier who qualified as a Master Sommelier test proctor, leaking answers, to the notoriously difficult tasting portion of the exam to an unnamed candidate of this year's exams of the class of 24, 23 were stripped of their new status. <laughs> Morgan Harris of San Francisco's the angler took the tasting portion last year and was exempt. Oh, okay. Otherwise that'd be really obvious. If, like one guy doesn't get busted. You're like, well, I know who's the rat. 
Also, also, uh, John Jones. Style. I was just gonna say, yeah, John Jones may have been uh, seen nearby. <laughs> Morgan Harris is the John Jones of sommeliers. Uh, the action strips away the titles of two Chicago area wine pros, Dan Pilkey and Jill Zamorski. In the release, Devin Brogley, Master Sommelier and Chairman of the Board, wrote, We are committed to developing an expedited process so that all eligible candidates can retake the tasting exam. Like, are they um, claiming that like everybody cheated? No, they're claiming they're not sure. Um, well, that they, doesn't they seem know, very fair. They know one person cheated. What the uh, fuck is sure. saying? You can't have a justice for like, well, one of you cheated, and therefore all of you cheated. What? It's like some grade school bullshit. Goddamn uh, French. I know people, you're listening to grown men read up on the internet for a pause of five seconds and they're reading about the wine tasting scandals. Well, here's the thing. Um, like I took the introductory course for this and then never went back because um, I have other things to do. Um, but he says to the guy that he talks to for two hours every week about shit. But I, I'm working on my speaking skills here. Yeah, sure. um, a- anyway, and thinking on my feet. Do you know you can crush grapes with your feet? Have you ever seen the video of the lady who's crushing grapes on the news and like a barrel and falls off the thing and starts grunting really weird? I've seen lots of videos of people crushing grapes. It's a, it's a there's a whole tab on Pornhub. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that was a, I bet a there genre. Is. I bet there's people that oh, fuck with I, grapes. Put them between their butt cheeks and just squeeze. Huh. Okay. Uh, anyway, so this, the master sommelier yeah, is like, like the highest level, and it's wicked hard. Like, it's it, it's impossible. Like, it's wicked hard. Wicked hard, dude. Um, like, you got to know everything. There's a no other place in the whole country. Exam. No other region in America says the word wicked. I know. It's weird, isn't it? I say it all the time. It's bizarre. I also say it's a weird, like, Massachusetts thing, too, and even more so, like, on the Cape. We say scallops here instead of scallops. Oh, That freaks people out, too. Uh, Anyway, the Master Sommelier thing is very difficult. And the fact that these people are getting stripped is a bummer for them. You basically have to take this written test where you have to know all this obscure shit. And then do this tasting where you don't know what the wines are. They give you a glass and they want to know what the grape varietal varietal is, where it's from, how old it is, what's the quality and all this bullshit. And it's wicked hard to do that. No matter how much wine you drink, like these people take it over and over again. And this is what they do every day is tasting wine and working in restaurants and selling wine. And like nobody can pass this thing. So the fact that somebody cheated isn't surprising. I bet you anything it's been going on forever and it's kind of sort of rigged and somebody really fucked up this time and got caught. I mean, I know that I know it's a big deal because a bunch of people said it's a big deal, but at the end of the day, like these people know just as much about wine as they did before. They just don't have a little certificate and you know, it sucks. You don't get your certificate, but uh, you know, you're selling booze. To, I, mean, to put, I know, but to be able it's like, to... It's like passing the bar. No, but for, it's like a weird like niche. Like No, because there's only 229 of these people in the world. Like it's... Wait, do they limit it to just that many? No, that's only... That's how many people have passed oh, this okay. test. 229. Like it's it's very, very difficult. Like, like 
I don't think like you and I would be able to pass the MMA version of this thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's very difficult. Like you got to be a super fanatic watching, still watching Pancras and stuff to be able to pass this. <laughs> like, I don't even know what to compare it to. It's like super obscure. Um, when there's only 223 people, it's like, if you get it, you're almost set for life. Cause you're going to be like a wine buyer for like Diageo or some huge company. If there's work. only like 229 people doing this, how do you think you can really cheat? Like wouldn't you're well, wouldn't the you idea be quickly is... exposed to be like, well, t- clearly we have t- 230 of us and John over there keeps serving vinegar. So I'm thinking he might've cheated on the test. Well, here, here's the idea for the tasting portion if you already work with somebody who's a master sommelier, because a lot of these people are like apprentices under these master psalms who give them tips and help them and train them. There's a, there's a bunch of documentaries called Psalm out there, which are kind of interesting um, to me, but they could leak the answers because the proctors of these exams are for our current master psalms. People who have been master sommeliers for years are the ones who kind of put the test together and test the people on it. Um, so it would be easy to just say, hey, it's fucking French Burgundy and Think California about that. Cab. It's a story. This is a story somehow that went around the world about 24 people not getting to join a group of 229 people who drink wine all day. Yeah, the world's weird. I agree. Like to me, I, like I, I'm a fan of just saying it's fermented grape juice, but there truly is a, a talent in this that like I, I've, oh, I drank, know. I've drank a lot of wine. Like it's it's super difficult to grab a glass of red wine and know what the grape is and know where it's from and know how old it is and not get mixed up and be able to do it in a certain time period. Like you've got like five minutes to taste nine wines and figure all this shit out. Here's a question. And I understand that that a talent, but why? Um, I don't know. Sense like, of accomplishment. Like, like, I don't I mean, know. I, I get that like there's and something I think to be said for some, like for like, people that can like who have great knowledge about something. I totally get that. Like somebody that knows everything there is to know can educate you, help you, whatever. That's a very valuable skill, but the ability to just taste it and then tell people what it is. How many people are randomly coming up to the Somali and be like, Hey, what is this? I want more of this one. And right. like, Oh, look at that. You're drinking a, uh, a, a 2006, no, 2005 Merlot. Yes. Thank you. The idea is that you, you can kind of spot like if the quality of a wine, like what, what's the quality of this? If you can tell what it is blind, like when I buy wine at the restaurant, we'll put like, say we're looking for a new Merlot by the glass or something. We'll get 10 different Merlots in at a certain price point. I put them in brown paper bags. We taste all of them. We pick out the favorite one and hopefully the favorite one's the cheapest one. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's like, how I do it. Yeah. <laughs> But the, I, I drink mean, all of my wine out of a brown paper bag. <laughs> but I mean, that, that that's what what they're doing here. They're tasting this wine blind and trying to ascertain. Oh, I know. It so I get it. if you if you can pick out the higher quality stuff and know what it is without seeing the label, just because this bottle of wine is five hundred bucks, maybe the quality is not that great, and there's something for seventy five bucks that is just as good, and you can kind of buy wine based on that without even knowing what the label is or what it is like wine spectator and wine enthusiast and all these wine magazines. The idea is some people say it's bullshit, but they taste the wines blind. And then like the scores they're scored from 50 to a hundred essentially. And a lot of people, wine collectors put a lot of stock in these scores and buy the wine based on the score 
and the value of the wine shoots up if it gets a high score. So the idea is if you taste it blind and you can determine what it is, um, I you're, get, you're getting the best quality it's a, it's juice. A, it's a theory. thing, I, I guess, but it, it kind of reminds you a little bit and of like baseball cards and like, this is worth this. It got this kind of score. And you're like, yeah. I get where you're coming from, but at the end of the day, like it's a baseball card. You should just enjoy it. Like it's wine. And I, yes, I know there's better wines than others, but how many people really need anything more than a $20 bottle of wine? Honestly, goodness. A, a lot of people don't, but it's like anything. It's supply and demand. Well, that's, but that's the other thing I'm thinking. This is really a, a math problem is what wine should you basically serve people, but whichever wine people want. And you can just do that by giving people an option. If they all buy this kind of Merlot, you just go, eh, must be what people like. Right. I mean, th- there is a service portion of the thing, too. I just found the story interesting because it's like a, a scandal in the, the wine world right now. So anyway, that's the latest in uh, sommelier news. Uh, a place where a city that has a lot of sommeliers is San Francisco. They have a new app out. Have you heard about this? Does it have to do with like warning you over the latest batch of human feces is? Yes, a newcomer to San Francisco. Wait, really? Cre- a newcomer to San Francisco has created a free app to make it easier for people to report poop and use oh needles gosh. on the city's famously dirty streets. Holy shit! Literally, the absurdity of my mind is reality in San Francisco. Sean I think it's Mill- fair to say that leftism has failed when they've produced the mind of Mike Coughlin made real. That is your future if you guys keep voting for Hillary. Sean Miller, 24, moved to San Francisco from Vermont after college last year and says he was astonished by the amount of public grime. His Snap Crap app was released over the weekend for Apple users and declares itself the fastest way to request cleaning in San Francisco. See something gross, just snap a photo and press submit. I can't believe this is real. The photos are passed to the city's public works department, which has its own 311 app to report feces and trash, as well as potholes and graffiti. There are multiple apps for the people of San Francisco to report human feces on the sidewalk. Miller, who lives and works downtown, says downloads have been in the few hundreds. San Francisco leaders have been grappling with the state of the city's dirty streets. There were more than 24,300 requests last year for human waste cleanup. Miller says he's adding features to the app and hopes to work with the city to improve a very San Francisco problem. I wonder if San Francisco will eventually elect a Rudy Giuliani type Republican and just come in there and actually fix shit. I wonder if there is a breaking point for these people. Like, you have your website app developers Creating apps to find the piles of human shit and needles on the street. That's a bad problem. Can you imagine walking down the street, stepping in a pile of human shit, being like, oh, fuck, not again. Then you take your phone out and take a picture of it and send it to the city to come clean it up. That is I weird. Think, I think, yeah, look at this. That's San Francisco for you. The people seem willing to live walking in shit as long as they can blog about it. Like, that's everything. It's a bunch of techies stepping over the homeless to make money off of their, off their shit. Think of how great America is. We're monetizing homeless people's shit. <laughs> smart. Yeah. You don't I see the commies doing smart. that one. 
I, I like the name Snap Crap as well. That's pretty good. I, I might I might just download it for fun. To start just start taking pictures of dog shit around your neighborhood. <laughs> I could. Or in my house with my dumbass puggle. Did we talk about how I had to get nine teeth pulled from my puggle? You mentioned it to me. I don't know if we were on air. Or so the dog the dog was like sick and like moping around. I'm like, oh, this might be it. And then we took her to the vet. He said with excitement and a tingle in his eye. <laughs> and then. Is he, is he race to the house and that amount thing was heard? My wife took Lucy to the vet and they're like, ah, oh, I think she's got an infection in her tooth or whatever. So they give us a bunch of meds or whatever. We start giving her the meds and then um, like her tooth was bleeding. So we're like, we brought her back or whatever. And they put her under and pulled nine teeth. She had nine rotten teeth. Wow. That cost another twelve hundred bucks, so that was good. What are you feeding her? Just dog food. She she's got a pretty strict diet because of her allergies, which require medication every single day. Um, luckily, her diabetes is under control though, with the shot I give her every morning. So that's good. Yeah, Sam gets some uh, pain pill I put in his food in the morning. That's it. What is his pain issue? He does. Um, he's torn completely in her, uh, both of his uh, hind leg uh, ACLs. No shit. Yeah, he tore them uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago. Did like what? Ha- did you chuck him across the room or something? Yeah, it actually happened. When, uh, Brian took him for. A, uh, it happened the weekend that CM Punk made his UFC debut. Oh. Because yes. I was gone, and Brian took the dogs, and he walked him too much, and he came back limping, and it was ever since that time Sam's been off just a little bit. And slowly but surely, his ACLs, both of them, yep, they were gone. So, like, you take it to the vet, and the vet, what does, like, does a, how how do you know? The vet did, um, like, what you described some of the, like, how he's walking, and he's a little ginger or whatever, and she she felt around. Oh, you can feel it, yeah. Yeah, and I can't can't remember if they did x-rays or something like that. They may have done something on that, and she said, because it's a hind legs, it's a dog, you know, ACLs help you go side to side you don't really need the acl that much if you're huh. running if you're just going straight forward like that's why like uh a track and field star can recover from acl injury way quicker than a mixed martial artist or a football player because they just have lateral yeah yeah because that's that straightforward thing is it's a different set of ligaments so i guess the hind legs of a puggle here because they pretty much just push him forward he doesn't need them huh it's interesting uh, the owner of a Southern Colorado bowling alley has died after getting stuck in a pin setting machine. Police in Florence, about a hundred miles Southwest of Denver, say they responded to a call early Sunday afternoon and found 65 year old Hector Rodriguez of Penrose stuck in the machine at Fremont lanes. He was unconscious and not breathing. Emergency responders determined he had died. Florence police chief, Michael de Laurentiis says no foul play is suspected the death is believed to be an accident. Or a really awkward suicide. I, mean, I think the worst part is, is that they had to wait for, for him to come through the ball return to get him out of there. I hope it was um, like the bigger balls, not candle pin. Because that would be a really tight fit with the smaller balls. Maybe I stuck in the bumpers. I don't understand how that could happen. 
Well, like, you see, when a man loves a bowling alley, mm-hmm. and he concentrates very hard, sometimes he can achieve an erection. When he enters the machine from behind, the machine isn't ready for it, and it begins to think that his cock is a pin to be reset. Bingo, bango, next thing you know, he's dead. So you think he was lying underneath the, the pin thing, the thing that brings the pins down, and having sex with the pin thing that comes down, up and down. Is that what you envisioned? If a man dies doing something weird, there's like generally a 75% chance his penis is involved. <laughs> Could be. Like, uh, honest to goodness, if you heard, like if you got a message tomorrow from my brother saying Mike hung himself, you know a big part of you would be like, was he jerking off? <laughs> Is that? Can you ask like someone's brother who just you died can ask, that question? If it's me involved, you can. Okay, good to know. And that's it, everybody. That's gonna be our show. No, coming... I, actually, on that topic, oh. I got one more thing. We got forty-five seconds. No, is it that late? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh shit! Fight between brothers over who had eaten the last of the ribs ends in stabbing. Derek Lewis and. Daniel Cormier is going to be an awesome fight. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Get up, cocksuckers. It's all over. Listen, we had a rough couple of months. Fucking Katrina's cousin Maria. The other one, Puerto Rico, Houston, fucking Florida. Listen, it's been tough up to now. The earthquake in Mexico. You know, the White House, whoever the fuck is going on, but it don't matter. They want to shoot, it's time for us to fucking shoot, cocksuckers. They want to get down and dirty, don't forget who the fuck we are, you understand me? We're the baddest motherfuckers out there. You send a message to that fucking North Korean, he's going to be sniffing my dick and sucking my asshole. That's the focus. We're going to North Korea in like a year. It's going to be an island. It's going to glow in the dark. You know why? Because we're Americans, cocksuckers. Who the fuck do you think you're dealing with? Stop with the gun control. They're selling more guns than ever the last three days. Stop with the fucking whining. Stop with the Russians on Facebook. I don't give a fuck. Worry about yourself. Keep your eyes open. And get the fuck off Snapchat and fucking Twitter, cocksucker. Stay black. What the hell's going on over there? I don't know. I could hear you. I can hear you now. Yeah, I'm, I put I took off the headphones here. I'm wondering if that was some of the issue. I don't know. I'm walking the dog at the same time. Smart. Awesome. Welcome to MMA and Stuff on HalfGuarded.com. My name is Matt. That is Mike. Uh, let's get right into it here because we don't have a minute to spare. This past weekend, we had UFC 229 at the T-Mobile Arena in Paradise, Nevada, also known as Las Vegas. Attendance was 20,034 people with a total gate of 17.2 million. In the main event of the biggest show in UFC history, Khabib, or Habib, Nurmagomedov defeated Conor McGregor by neck crank at 303 of the fourth round. Um, that is kind of a sidebar to the bigger story <laughs> from this show. Where Derek Lewis earned himself a title shot. The biggest fucking news come out of this show. Stop burying the lead, motherfucker. 
That'll come later. Khabib, I decided after the fight, after he won, to jump out of the cage, as everyone probably knows at this point, and attack uh, some of Conor McGregor's cornermen, including Dylan Dennis, who was melting off to him, supposedly. As that was happening, Conor tried to jump out of the cage and try and help out somehow. And some of Khabib's guys got into the cage and started brawling with Conor. One guy sucker punched him from behind. Um, yeah, it was a wild man, yeah. scene and, and probably gay. Probably gay. I was actually just saying that to make sure that you could still hear me. I can hear you, yes. I thought so. Okay. Mm. It could be gay, though. I mean, the way that those Dagestanis kind of all get all manly with each other. It could be. I, I, I wouldn't refer to it that way. Hey, look um, at this way. Nobody's ever seen Khabib's wife. She's usually covered, yes. So it could be a little dude in there. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Cool. Um, in the aftermath, Khabib's uh, purse has been withheld by the Nevada State Athletic Commission, $2 million. He has not seen that money yet. They're reviewing video of what happened, and we're kind of waiting on what the suspension will be like. Uh, Conor McGregor was paid his $3 million purse. Um, <laughs> afterwards, Khabib kind of half-assed apologize, but said he didn't see why people were so upset after Connor talked about his father, his religion, his manager, and uh, threw a dolly at a bus. I mean, when you put it that way, it does seem a little ridiculous. Um, I mean, I guess, well, yeah, let's just start, I guess, start with the fallout. Uh, There's a the lot to break. Of, we we yeah. can do two hours just on this one fight. That's true. Luckily, we got uh, other things to get through. Um Old Habib. I lost you again. Can't hear you. Dead air. Hello. Nothing. It was like it sounded like the mic was like banging into something. And you vanished. Nothing there. I'm gonna keep talking. Khabib kicked Connor's ass. You can't say that definitively. Still can't hear you. All the judges gave the third round to Connor.